This special episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden. Royal Thai Garden, the freshest, dopest Thai food in all the Hawaiian islands. Make sure you mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast and get 20% off your entire order. That's Royal Thai Garden, Eva Beach, 96706. Blue Hawaii. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast, everybody. Um, we are here with our dear friend of the show, Mr. Tommy Waters. Mr. Who, Aloha himself. Mr. Aloha, Tommy Aloha himself. Uh, you may remember he was participating in an election that uh, originally was scheduled to conclude last November, but it's still going on. There have been some interesting developments, and we can't wait to hear about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Tommy Waters. Tommy, how are you? Hey, aloha, Josh. Aloha, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's good to see you, man. You're looking yeah, good. Glad to have you here. Thank yeah. you. So, okay, uh, let's go back to election night. I think it was November 8th? 6th. November 6th. November yes. 6th. So the live show is November. Show is November right uh, right. This is a good time to plug our live show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't listened to it, go back. Uh, yep. Live from Mark's Garage, November 8th. Should have been there. Okay, so anyway, uh, you go to bed, election night, November 6th. You wake up November 7th. What's happening? Well, let me back up a yeah. second. So, you know, we were sign waving all the way to 6 o'clock, right? I got so many honks as I stood next on the side of Kalaniana Ole Highway, right? And I thought, Jesus is super positive, but yet I didn't want to jinx it, right? Yeah. So I had a party with all my volunteers and friends and family, and I went home to take a shower. And, you know, I had to mentally prepare for this because in the primary, I was down by, geez, 3,000, 4,000 votes, right? And he barely... I barely kept them under 50%. Yeah. And as you know, if you get 50% in the primary, it's done. You're elected. So I barely kept them under 50%. So I had no idea how I was going to do. We didn't do a poll. We had no idea. We just worked really, really hard. So I'm sitting at home all by myself watching the first printout. And it came out, hey, I'm only 60 votes down, 6-0. It's pretty hey, good. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. You know, and, and just in case I was going to be, you know, 5,000 votes down. I wanted to mentally prepare. So I show up and, you know, support my, my, my friends and family. But it turns out I was only 60 votes down. So yay. Yeah. So I show up to my own party. Everybody's happy. The second printout comes and I'm up by seven votes. Seven. I remember like, seeing uh, that printout. Yeah. Unheard of, right? Yeah. Seven votes. Yeah. How exciting is this? But it's still like, that's just too close to call. And apparently that was the, Really, the only contested race that night, right? Everything else, you know, was, yeah. governor was done uh, already. There was a little race. That oh, that was the only one I can remember that came down kind of to the wire, like you guys. You're right. You're yeah. right. That's true. That's true. So the second printout comes out. We're up seventy-two votes. Or third printout, fourth printout. We're still up seventy-two. We think we got it. Same thing sort of happened four years ago, right? Last printout is only three printouts four years ago. Third printout, I lose. I went to bed when you were up 72 votes. It was like, what was it like one in the morning or something yes, like that? Yes. I, I stayed up late trying to see how that election was going to happen or how it was going to go. And uh, yeah, I remember going to bed texting Josh like, whoa, Tommy's up 72. And then, then what happened next? And then they came out with this unprecedented fifth printout at four in the morning. And I lost by 22 votes. Yeah, that was devastating. But, you know, I had gone through this before. Yeah. So my friends and family were more devastated than I was, you know. So what happened next? So I I wrote a letter to Nago, the um, chief elections officer, and Glenn Takahashi, the chief clerk. 
with a bunch of questions. For example, where what do these the votes hell are you guys doing? Yeah, five printouts, <laughs> four a.m. Like right. Well, where do these votes come yeah. from? There's one thousand two hundred fifty-eight votes, which, you know, is weird. It was just weird. Where do these votes come from? How are they handled? You know, and they just ignored me. It they just, just looks ignored me. Super suspicious, right? Super suspicious. Yeah. Everybody thought there was something a foul. Especially, especially the guy. You know, if regardless of if you won or if or if Councilman Ozawa won, I mean, there's a fifth printout with votes coming in at four in the morning. I would be super skeptical if yeah. I was the guy who loses that race. Like, doesn't matter. Like, oh, and a small like a, a small state like us. It's not like you know some presidential elections you need until the next day. Like we've almost never had a situation like this in. Our electoral history, right? Usually everything is pretty wrapped up. So get this. Of. We did our research yeah. and since statehood, yeah. I possess the two closest elections since statehood. <laughs> right? If you're talking uh. about percentage wise, right? Because mm-hmm. there's some, you know, libertarian races that were yeah. super close, you yeah. know, but but um yeah. Hopefully the third time's yeah. the charm. Fingers crossed. Making history. Well, so I wasn't gonna appeal, right? Yeah. But if they answered my questions, fine. You know, I have a successful legal career, you know, but I thought I got to fight this. You know, my community asked me to fight it. So we filed an appeal. Both I represented myself, filed my own appeal and Tommy Otake, great uh, criminal and civil attorney, represented 39 community members who were equally stunned. And we filed an appeal. We got oral argument. So we, my, I've been practicing 25 practicing law for 25 years by the way i've done a number of appeals but never did oral argument so the first time i at got the, or- at the hawaii supreme court yes yeah it goes it goes straight to them right so for people like, listening at home it, it bypasses yeah normally everybody. it takes months and months and months they were like let's we gotta we gotta because they yeah they recognized yeah. it was a big deal like yeah. we gotta figure this thing out yeah nobody could get nobody got sworn in until this was resolved that's right that's right although trevor sat in the seat um, during the swearing-in process, it was kind of awkward. Yeah. Well, then they appointed an interim council member. So that's correct. So but we 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 digress. Yeah. So you go to the Hawaii Supreme Court. Yes, and uh, my first time arguing before the Hawaii Supreme Court. Nervous. You know, initially I was, but I gotta tell you, having again practicing law for twenty-five years, I finally got to feel what it was like to be a litigant. Yeah. And you know, I just wanted my day in court to be your, you were your own client. I was my own client and it felt so good to finally be able to express myself and say, you know, this is what's wrong, Yeah, you know, and there was a lot of things wrong and I did all my own research and well, I actually had a team of attorneys helping me, but, um, it was just appalling the way this election was handled. You know, the more I research I did, the more questions I had. And I'm happy to talk to you. I could talk all night about yeah, the problems with our elective. That's why we're here. The thing that really sticks out to me is that, you know, I've heard people be like, oh, Tommy's, you know, making waves. He's making a big stink about this. But like, if you really want to blame anybody, let's blame Scott Nago. Let's blame the guy who is the head of this whole process and screw the pooch. So, so on that point, what exactly did happen? Where did where did that fifth printout come from? What was the what was determined and what did the court eventually rule? So apparently these 1258 ballots were absentee ballots that were dropped off 
at either polling places, Honolulu Hale, Kapole Hale, or at the Capitol. Kapole Hale, which is decidedly not in your district. Right. Very, very far from your district. But according to the Office of Elections rules, you can drop them off at any polling place, an absentee ballot. Um, they were also some about 350 ballots that were mailed in and received by the post office after six o'clock after the deadline right so there like i said there was 1258 ballots that came in on election day and these were all absentee ballots so it's really interesting you know what i learned that they took these ballots over to a special facility that they have at the airport where they run it through a machine and the machine determines if your signature on the outside blue envelope matches your signature on your voter registration form or it must match the signature on your request for an absentee ballot. Huh. And if it doesn't match, it gets kicked out. Oh. And it's I've a machine wondered. that does okay. it. Interesting. Super interesting. So like if you don't have the same signature all the time, like for instance, I just I realized the other day I started signing mine differently than like my absentee ballot. Your vote may not out. have counted Your in any vote may not have been counted. And so how Correct. do you know for this newest election, it's a mail in election, how do you know that it's gonna be done the right way? Well, I was I'm encouraging people to call the city clerk to ask if their vote was counted. Because I've met people who say, you know, a lot of seniors in the district, you have a stroke and yeah. your signature is different. Yeah. Your vote's not counted. And and that's a problem. Worse. What if you, like, what if you're, I don't know. Pen, the pen, it could be something as simple as like the ink, the ink smudges, it's different yeah. color ink, like the computer yeah. malfunctions, like anything is possible. Yeah. You know, it depends how busy I am. I sign legal documents every day. Just like, Same. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. When you're pumping them out, they don't, they definitely like. Uh, okay, I got a good story about this, okay. actually. Here's a good example. So when I was in high school, I was in a band, and I'm not going to say the name of it. Um, if you're a Pink real Floyd. OG fan, you're going to find it. Okay. Um, I was in a band, and we won the, our city's Battle of the Bands, right? And so as part of that, we get to open uh, at our city's big music festival. It was big for us. This is 2008. Uh, and we opened for Huey Lewis in the news and Erica Badu. Wow. Which that's, is that's pretty dope. Weird that they're on the same ticket, but like, very eclectic yeah. mix it, of those two, but it know. was dope. Yeah. It was super fun. Um, as part of it, we had to sign all these promo posters. Right. Yeah. And I'd never signed autographs before. I'm like this, you know, crappy little kid grew up in a trailer park in Alabama. So I'm like, signing my like full name and it's and it's big that's one thing i learned really quickly is that's why autographs are so small is because it's just it takes a toll on your arm and <laughs> doing all those swishes and so my signature is huge and i'm writing like my full Ryan, name right little. well i didn't do the summers part i did i think i did s though right and um and so, like the and the Bible verse too, right underneath, like, <laughs> Ryan Little, <laughs> Philippians four thirteen. No, no, um, so I'm signing my name, right? And so under me, yeah, I, I signed above this same person. We sign the same spot every time. I signed above this other person who was the act on Thursday night. We played on Saturday night. Um, so this person was getting popular, but was not big enough to headline the whole thing. Huey Lewis and Erica Badu were still the big acts. Uh, it was a young upstart country 
act named Taylor Swift. So <laughs> if you were a sponsor you're kidding. You're kidding. of the 2008 Jubilee City Fest in Montgomery, Alabama, you've got a promo poster with a tiny little Taylor Swift and a giant Ryan S. <laughs> little. Do you have one of those? Do you have a poster? I don't have one. No, oh. they didn't give us one, unfortunately. But I just think it goes to your point, though, about like how signatures your, are, your signatures can change. It's unpredictable. So then the next yes. time I got asked to sign an autograph, which you, did happen, it was a tiny small. little RS. Like, yeah. that was it. I didn't even do an L because it's just like, it's a thing. So anyway... I understand your signature can change for a number of reasons. Yeah. So what neighbor islands do, the neighbor islands clerks do sure. is they call you if your signature doesn't match. And apparently the Honolulu clerk's office doesn't. Is it just I, there's, we have too many people here? I don't know. They didn't explain that. Gotta be, but yeah. hopefully yeah. they change that practice yeah. because, you know, they're thinking about doing all mail-in elections yeah. in the future. And Kauai is going to go all mail-in in, in 2020. Mm. You know, the idea is really to get more people to vote, right? And and I support that wholeheartedly. But you got to make sure there's, you know, safeguards in there. Sure. And one of the things which makes total sense, if your signature doesn't match, call. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that concerned me is, you know, you look at what's happening in, I think, North Carolina where yeah. there's ballot harvesting. Yeah. Right. Where people go and take other people's ballots and they vote for them. Or look at Georgia, where uh, Kemp instituted the exact match law in his gubernatorial race with Abrams. And like thousands of complaints were received about people's votes being not counted Mm -hmm. because their signatures were not literal identical matches to their voter reg forms. That's very shady. Yeah. Very shady. Problematic. Not saying anything shady happened here. But in general, I would understand if I were running yeah. for that that seat, I would be very concerned. Problematic is a better word than yeah, shady. Problematic. Yeah. Probably a shady in Kemp's choice. Uh, yeah. Shady in Kemp's situation. Yeah. So the unfortunate thing, fast forwarding, um, apparently the the clerk in their legal brief mm-hmm. admit that they went down to the post office to pick up ballots at six thirty. Against Why is that significant? Yeah, the law is pretty clear that the the ballots, absentee ballots, must be in the hands of the clerk that issued the ballot by the close of polls on election day. So and they picked up nearly thirteen hundred ballots after the deadline. No. Oh. There were at six thirty. They picked up one hundred and sixty-five ballots. Oh. And then they went back to the Capitol. And then they got a phone call from the post office saying, hey, come back. We have more ballots. So they drove back down to the airport post office and picked up another 185 ballots and then took that back to be counted. So that was our legal argument that the law, and I'm sorry I don't have the actual citation for you. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody's, nobody yeah. that's listening to this show is going to care. <laughs> but that's what the law says. It has to be in the hands of the clerk that issued the ballots by the close of the polls on election day. So that it actually came out to 165 plus 185 or 350 ballots. Wow. And so the court asked Office of Elections, can you determine which of these ballots were the late ballots? Because I argued, I said, hey, look, Supreme Court. If you can back out those 350 ballots, count the rest, and determine the winner, I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. 
you can determine the winner based on that. I'd have been throwing a fit, man. I would not have conceded that yeah. easily. Well, you know, I, I, in my legal briefs, I made every argument under the sun, but, <laughs> but that's good lawyer. At that point, we, we did a statistical analysis and we felt that we would have won because you know, what's strange. We talked about the first four printouts and the biggest swing was 3% mm-hmm. between the down I think 60 it was the to up sec- seven. Yes. Yeah. That, or it was from seven to 72. Oh, um, was the biggest swing, and that was three percent. And statistically, if you're four or five percent, that's all it switches one way or the other. You know, it's really odd. You know, when you take a poll and mm-hmm. it's consistent within within four or five percentage sure, points, margin of error, margin of error. So this swung eight percent. It mm-hmm. was just very mm-hmm. odd. But we we. I don't want to go through my whole calculation, but we determined that, hey, if these 350 aren't counted, I think we can win this. But it turns out that they could not back out the 350 votes, and they ordered a brand new election. And by the way, it was unanimous. The, yeah. All five, five justices zero. said the same thing. There was no dissenting opinions. Well, so what happened after? So... Well, sorry, I just have one quick question first. So I guess in an ideal scenario... Does would the city clerk go and already be at the post office ready to pick up at six six p.m. exactly on the dot? Give it to me. Okay, I'm out. Pow, that's it. No more. So great question. Uh, yeah. So they argued incorrectly. Yeah. They said, "Well, what if we leave the Capitol at five and there's a traffic accident and we don't get there till six thirty? Which to me was an idiotic argument, right? I simply in my in my reply brief said, "Well, look, leave the capital at two, yeah, or whatever Do time it job. takes. How about that? <laughs> to get there on time. If yeah. you get there at four and you're early and you have to wait for two hours, but just collect everything at six yeah. and then go back to the capital and it's done. Or yeah. if you're gonna be late, then tell the Supreme Court, hey, we're gonna be late. Is it okay if we count these votes and get them to sign off on it? Right? Like, you you just need." Like you want to ask for permission for that it, sort of thing. Some sort of procedure should be in place. Yeah. Other than, well, we went back because there were more. Yeah. Well, and what was equally appalling sure. was they said, well, we've been doing this for years. Oy. So they've been <laughs> oh, breaking gosh. the law for years. <laughs> and somehow, somehow that was acceptable. Unacceptable that's the, defense. That's, that's the, the way we've always done That it. is the worst argument. Well, you can't get mad if you're breaking the law. Now we've been breaking the law forever. No, it was appalling. And I, right. I you know, I, I was kind of overcome with emotion that they av- actually made that argument. It was just appalling to me. Especially as a guy who lost another incredibly narrow election. Yeah, because they could have done this four years ago. The exactly, two closest yeah. elections in the state of Hawaii history. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. big deal. No. You so, know, so for four crap. years. Yeah. Jeez. Huh. But anyway, so they ordered a new election. They said, yeah. since we cannot determine the winner. Run it back. We gotta again. do it again. So what happened? What happened next? What happened next? Well, yeah. yeah, I did everything. Everything was smooth sailing. I'm and, sure nobody uh, well, nobody threw any temper tantrums. Nothing like that. So it's new. I breathed new life into my campaign. So I immediately started walking door to door, getting our message out of good, clean government, yeah. transparency and openness, a respect and dignity for everyone, and just drawing comparisons between the two of us. You know and. Yeah. The number one thing really is age and experience. And I've talked to you guys about this before. You know, 
being able to to stand up for your community and fight for them, but do it with respect and dignity, right? Listen to all opinions. You know, I, legislators don't know it all. Yeah. We have to learn from our community. And the best thing to, to do that is to walk door to door. So get this, guys. I've already knocked since the Supreme Court decision on 3,000 doors. That's Ooh. more doors than I've knocked on in my entire life. Which brings me up to 15,000 doors since we first started the campaign. Holy and it's smokes. wonderful. Just yeah. wonderful. And I'm learning every day different things about my neighbors and community, you know, just really, really neat things. For example, right where you guys live and where we're recording, there's a stoplight on the corner of 16th Avenue and Wildlife Avenue that needs fixing. Yeah. It's dangerous there and it's causing a lot of traffic. We need to get rid of that left turn lane. And it's little simple things like that that will decrease your commute time in the morning and make a difference in people's lives. That light you know? is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. And it's dangerous too. Mm -hmm. People are starting now going into the opposite lane of traffic, in the oncoming lane of traffic, I should say. And it's dangerous to get around that that red light. Well, so uh how would you differentiate yourself? I mean, for, for people listening, because, you know, we've gained a lot of listeners since the, the first time you were on the show. How would you differentiate yourself to those listeners from Mr. Ozawa, Councilman Ozawa, um, in terms of, you know, what you want to get done and, you know, why should they vote for you the second time now that they're given the second chance? Well, before we get to the issues, I think the number one difference is temperament. Uh, there was a Hawaii News Now reporting uh, on February 18th. Uh, investigation found Ozawa's behavior towards staffer was disrespectful, unprofessional. And we'd seen that one before, but thanks again to our uh, Twitter follower, Claire. Uh, yeah. At Cats Kittens. You guys got a follower if you want to know what's going on in yeah. Hawaii News. Uh, thanks for sending that our way. Uh, one quote from the article. Quote, I apologized that she ever felt that way. That makes me sad. As anybody who doesn't strike me as a very sincere apology, been, I, I can't comment on the sincerity of it, but I can imagine that if I got into a fight with somebody yeah. and instead of saying, Hey, I'm sorry that I did this thing that I was found to have done. I said, I'm sorry that you, you got mad about it. I'm sorry that it, sorry that you got your feelings hurt. Yeah. They would be very mad. I'm trying to imagine me saying that to my wife about something like, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way. I'd be, I'd be dead. That'd be the end of the Blue Hawaii <laughs> podcast. It'd be a solo show. Yeah. Um, so people have come out of the, out of the woodwork to yeah. support me since the last time I met you folks. Yeah. In large part because of his temperament. Yeah. You know, I've had supporters tell me stories about how they caught bus down to Honolulu Hale, waited three hours to testify, and then when they finally were able to testify, they were chastised by my opponent for hey. disagreeing with him. How dare you? And, you know, for those of you who know me, I used to chair two major committees. I respect everyone's opinion. It's important. It's the marketplace of ideas. You have a right to come down and testify and, and voice your opinion and your concerns. And we, I look at it as my constituents are my boss. I have to listen. I work for you. I work for the people of my community. And and it's so disrespectful to say those types of things to people. Yeah. You know, he went before the Waikiki Neighborhood Board and um, disagreed with the board and told them that they don't represent the community, which is just ridiculous. Of course they do. 
Isn't that the point of a neighborhood yeah. board? Ah. So, I mean, I'm so happy to have another life yeah. and, and an opportunity to get my message across of, you know, openness, um, respect, transparency, and hard work. Yeah. You know, it's just wonderful to be able to, to keep going because momentum was going our way. We lost the absentee ballot race, but we won the the election day race, really. Momentum was going our way, and people told me that um, they wish they could have switched their vote. You know, they had already voted absentee, but when election day came around, they wished they could switch. So now is another chance you can switch. Hey. Uh, um, we quoted previously some of his articles talking about Tulsi and other things we were talking about uh, before you came on air the David Shapiro article in the Star Advertiser as well Volcanic Ash mm -hmm. what, um, what what were some of your, your highlights of that well it's consistent with what I know about him is that he has very thin skin you know easy to get angry but rather than talking about his negativity let's talk about positive yeah. things and, and okay, the difference thing, that yeah. we can make in our community what are you going to do for no. the people of East Honolulu well, homelessness is on the rise. That's true. You know, 12% increase this year, according to the Star Advertiser yesterday. Yes, and we saw that. You see it in 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 Kahala, in Kamaki, oh, yeah. on Diamond Head Road, both Malka and Makai of Diamond Head Road, people living in the bushes. I'm walking door to door up at the top of Wilhelmina Rise. People are living in the bushes up, up at the trails on Wilhelmina Rise. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And in the last four years, I mean, it's been on the rise sure. in the point in, point in time count, right? But think about it. Four years. What has our council done in the last four years to make an impact? I, I know, would honestly, I would say nothing. And I, I would say if, if, you know, Caldwell's obviously not going to be able to run for mayor again. But, like, if he were, I would hammer him on that, man. Like, what the heck nothing's gotten better and we're like we're not doing anything about this really really big problem no, from the, a social standpoint from an economic standpoint yeah like, it seems the only thing we the only thing we seem to be doing is we're good uh, at shuffling them around yeah quote unquote uh com the nice euphemism of compassionate disruption you know these sweeps like compassion disruption we are compassionately throwing all your belongings into the garbage yeah exactly well, if you think about it it's a short-term fix right yeah. you don't see them on the sidewalk but guess what People are just moving from one yeah. spot to another. And it's, it's all not optics. solving anything. It's yeah. about optics. You know, we need to... Housing first works. Yeah. We need to build more units. I get this. I was walking on Cocoa Head Avenue and I, I saw a homeless man and he, he, he seemed harmless and I had a nice conversation with him. I said, sir, may I ask why you're here? You know, you need to go in a shelter. This is not safe for you. And he was a pretty intelligent guy. He said, the shelters aren't safe. I'm safer at the bus stop because the police keep an eye on me here. Oh, man. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You we know? failed. Like, society is failing these people. Yeah. So, shelters, I can see that. You're in a big room with cots everywhere. We need to... Housing first works. You need your own place with a lock and key. You know what Japan does? They build dormitories where for men and one for women and one for families so you have a lock and key and it's safe you know and then you can have the wraparound services right you can get a job you yep. can go to work every day you can have clean clothes you have washer and dryer in the dormitory you can have clean clothes you can save money and you can get your own place everything's easier when you've got a stable place to live if you if you Basic got a stable place needs, to yeah. live you got a stable place to you know get a shower I mean, even if you don't, 
even if you got to go out and get like food from the mission, like if you yeah. got a place to lay your head at night, basic and you're not, shelter. Yeah. yeah. You're not worried about getting robbed or, you know, I don't know, worse even than that. Like yeah. your whole life will change. Your whole life will change and it works. And, and it, I, we need to do it and put some money behind it. And the state needs to work with the County. Hopefully the federal government can work with us as well, but it's an epidemic, you guys. Yeah. It really is. And you can't just have these short-term fixes for an epidemic. We got to put our money where our mouth is. If we want to end homelessness, we got to attack it full on. How right? has your opponent attacked it in your opinion? Has he done, I mean, anything good? Well, we started off by saying that, that the, there's more homeless now than there was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. So no, whatever they're doing, isn't working so homelessness is not one of the things that the city council has handled well and i think monster homes monster homes are another good one but i think probably everybody would also agree that uh, the rail has not been handled well you know in uh in the past month i think in the past three weeks we've seen three separate federal subpoenas saying what's going on what are you guys doing yeah i completely support a forensic audit i think it's absolutely necessary to find out where our taxpaying money is going yeah um, but let me point something out. Thank you for, for bringing up rail. And I'm not too sure many people know this. Yeah. But he, my opponent was the budget chair, right? There was a budget hearing on, uh, there was a hearing on the budget, pardon me. And within his budget bill, he put in a proviso, right? Just one line allowing the use of taxpayer or property tax money to pay for rail, right? Ron Menor, Councilman Ron Menor and Councilman Ikaika Anderson found it. And they objected because it was hidden in the middle of this large omnibus bill, right? And the chairman, Trevor Ozawa, put that in there. And the budget wouldn't pass unless he took it out, his own proviso. So he took it out, and the budget passed. And there was another bill, Bill 41, which said the exact same thing, that you can use tax, uh, property tax money to pay for rail. As you all know, the federal government required that the city put some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You had to put $44 million. And... Rather than over the course of the year finding alternative ways to come up with that forty-four million, he's tried to stick that in the the budget bill. But when there was the light of day shining on Bill Forty-One and everybody saw it, it's in the news. He votes no, so he changed right, and then he was a champion of the people saying, "I'm not allowing you to use property tax money for rail." And yet he tried his, to sneak it in. Yeah. yeah. How appalling is that? And I can show you the actual bill too. I mean, it's r- clear as day. Wow. And people don't know that. People don't know that. Yeah. And and I I like I'd like wish people would do their research and maybe I I put out a brochure saying yeah. that exact same thing. I think I think that's an interesting point. You know, people don't know that. Um, I, th- I think that applies to a lot of things, and I think. One, we've got a really apathetic voting population in general. But two, when all the news is constantly bad, or if not if not outright bad, there's very little positive news coming out of our governments and our politics. How do you 
when you speak to people, how do you get them to engage? How do you get them to want to move forward in a more positive direction and get involved in the process? What do you tell people? Well, it's interesting because when I tell people I'm running for office, they look like they just ate a lihi moi seed and they say, <laughs> why do you want to do that? You know, it's because of politicians have a bad reputation for moves like that where you try to slide things in when people aren't looking. So you know what I do? I communicate with my constituents. I spend every penny of legislative allowance that they give me to inform constituents what's going on at the legislature or at Honolulu Hale. That's the best way to do it. And meet constituents. And then ask them what they want. How do you... I Again, I look, I look at this as my constituents are my bosses. Mm-hmm. It's democracy. It's a representative democracy. So I vote the way my community wants me to vote. And if I'm not communicating with my constituents, then I'm not doing my job. You know, So I would, at neighborhood board meetings, at, um, at community events, you got to tell people what's going on over in the big building downtown. Because... It, I got to tell you guys, it's easy to do your job when you communicate with your constituents and you know what they want. It really is. You know, the hard part is when there's a tough call and you don't know what your constituents want. That part, you know, it's tough. But did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Communication is key. Communication That's is key. A universal theme on the Blue Hawaii podcast. Um, and good, good politicians yeah. are good communicators. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So, uh, Tommy, another thing that we've talked about, you mentioned, I think a little bit earlier, um, monster houses. So living in the district, um, that is definitely something that constituents care about. Uh, where do you think we've gone wrong so far with monster homes and what is your plan for addressing it? If you're elected, I identified a couple of the, the, problems in our community and monster homes is definitely one of them and they are being these perfectly good houses are being bought by people who don't live in in hawaii or in this country really a lot of them are from people from china Mm -hmm. they're using chinese labor the the labor force is not um even speaking english and they're bringing in materials from china So it's it's really troubling. The yeah. Department of Permanent Planning needs to, well, because of all the latest um, attention to that, that they have put a, a little bit of a roadblock in their construction, but they're still coming up. So the Department of Permanent Planning has to be a little bit more serious about just denying the permits. It's or as simple as that. Forcing them to tear them down because that's totally within their rights, right? I mean, they can just say you built an unpermitted house. I mean, everybody, everybody here who takes they take that risk with unpermitted renovations and construction, they can tell you to tear it all down. Absolutely, just like that house on Date Street. Yep. You know, the problem is that you're gonna send the wrong message to to law-abiding contractors. They're going to think that it's just part of doing business. I'll build a house without the permit. I'll pay the $50,000 fine as part of doing business. Which is what they're doing now. On, which is what they're doing now. And that's a huge problem. Yeah, we're basically saying we're, we are tacitly encouraging people to just, just break the law. Because, and you're right. A lot of it is the Department of Planning and Permitting. I mean, if you look at 
uh, Pacific Business News just did a pretty big article on what's wrong at DPP. And uh, the, I mean, there's problems top to bottom, I mean, starting with the fact that salaries are incredibly low at DPP. So they can't attract talent. Exactly. And they're having problems with uh, just the sheer volume of permits because we're in another construction boom. You combine a lack of talent with a, a just a glut of permits and you've got a huge problem there but i mean they were talking about some of the things they've tried to fix it I, like malama mondays which is uh they're basically everybody just works on reviewing permits and they're talking about sort of the the character of the agency is such that people are you know they there's there's a fear within the agency that people are intentionally denying permits just because they're out of spite for instituting Malama Mondays. I mean, it's it's a pretty messed up industry and it can choke our entire economy. It is choking our economy. I, I speak to contractors and developers who have these really great projects for affordable homes, affordable apartments, and they can't get their permits. And guess what? They're sitting there and they're losing money every day because they can't get their permits. And when a project, I mean, having worked in the industry for a while, like when a when a project has a low margin for error, uh, a couple of extra months of holding costs where you're not able to build, that can definitely kill a project. And we have to remember that those contractors and those developers, they're you know, they're not running charities. They've got they've got to keep the lights on and got to keep their employees paid and just the same as every other business. You know what the contractors telling me and the people seeking the permits that, you know, department permitting planning is supposed to ensure that the health and welfare and safety of the project and the, the plans are, are adequate. Mm -hmm. Give them the permit and then focus on the inspection side. You know, put some money into the inspection side. And if you're not following the laws, then you, you stop work. So, yeah, I, I look forward if elected to work with the industry and the department to try to make it better. Speaking of industry, you are endorsed by the Carpenters Union. Is that right? Is that right? Yes, I uh, am. Have, have they, have guys, you know, the rank and file industry guys, have they talked about monster homes as an issue and the construction boom in general? Well, yeah, because the people who are working on these monster homes are not from here. They're not from this country and they're taking jobs away from local people. Really. By the way, may I also mention something? Sure. We just had a helicopter go over and it's now almost eight o'clock at night. That's a huge problem. Have you guys noticed this? In, in all of our district, at all hours, there's helicopters. I only hear we them when we're recording. Record and they always somehow fly overhead a yeah. hundred. We edit out most of it, but our listeners probably catch a helicopter or airplane every once in a while. I go to five different neighborhood boards and we all That's hear the, the same thing. Not the number one complaint, but... Number one complaint is probably the monster homes yeah. and the homelessness. Right. But there is it's helicopters, there. Okay. tour helicopters going over in residential neighborhoods and people are upset about mm. it. Just wanted to mention that because that was interesting that we just had one at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Go over your yeah. home Yeah. for no good, no good we're reason. We're recording this uh, Friday, March 1st. So while, while, we're, while we're counting dates... Um, can you talk a little bit about, so what is the timeline for this, for this special election? How is it, how is everything working? Great question. So it's an all mail-in election. The ballots are going to be mailed on March 21st. You have until election day, six o'clock on 
April 13th to get your ballot in. Six o'clock. You hear that, post office? Six o'clock. Yes, you got to get your ballot in by six o'clock on April 13th. If you want, you can walk into Honolulu Hale from April 1st through April 13th, and you can vote in person. Tommy, any any final thoughts, any last words you'd like to share with us or our listeners? Any Or even your supporters. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, again, I'm just so thankful to have the opportunity to actually run for office. You know, I, I try to set an example for my kids and not to give up. If you really believe in something, to fight all your might. And, you know, this is a great opportunity to show that. And if I'm elected, fortunate enough to get elected, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to fight for for our community. I'm going to fight for um, all the projects that we have been waiting for years to get completed for our parks, right? We need more park space for our kids. We need our parks to be kept clean and safe. Um, our roads are in terrible shape, you know? Yeah. We need to work on that and work smart, right? But thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here again. Happy to have you. Yeah. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, Tommy-Waters.com or Friends of Tommy Waters, Facebook and Instagram. Check them out. Say hello. Please do. Yeah. And my phone number, 3541178. Feel free to call me. Who that's else gives that's you actual their phone, phone number? You guys listen to us every week and we won't tell you our phone numbers. <laughs> Mike Jones. Who? Mike and Jones. And also, uh, Tommy's gotten at least two phone calls since we've been recording this from people who are probably just trying to get him to fix the damn roads. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Waters, the man, the myth, the legend. Tommy Aloha. The Hawaii Podcast. The Hawaii. The Hawaii. The Hawaii. The Hawaii.